0: This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jayden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. <laughs> Welcome to episode 398 of the Yellow World Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko, and today we will talk about a 2-1 defeat against RB Leipzig. Fun! <laughs> Matthias Zuk is here with me. Hello, Matthias. How are you doing?
1: That's fine. I'm fine. Ah. I'm just fine. <laughs> no, I'm actually doing well, Stefan. How are you?
0: I'm not doing well at all. I am... A sixers fan and a Dortmund fan, and like I think combined, they are like five heavy players. If that, it's it's crazy. So I don't, yeah, I I don't even know what to say. I feel like if I support a team, there's just a guarantee that uh, all the good players will just go down with injuries, left, right, and center. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh you, you said before we hit required literally right before let's get this shit over with and this is how i kind of feel because i i don't know why I, I just was really irrationally mad that dortmund lost this game even though i don't feel like you can even fault them too much since you know as everyone saw they were tired and they were decimated and it caught up to them and uh yeah, Leipzig did fluke themselves to a win. They maybe could have won higher. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's it's just annoying that uh, Leipzig get to benefit from our injury crisis because they don't deserve it. They didn't even play that well, in my opinion. So the fact that they came away with three points and uh, you know popped the champagne, so to speak, just very annoying. Just a very thick thorn in my eye.
1: Yeah, I mean, Ebe Leipzig may well have been called Ebe Nkuku because yeah. I mean, he was the difference maker. I mean, the one time where he did kind of the two little pirouettes, I had like JJ Okocha versus Olikan Khan flashbacks from the 90s in that moment just playing through Dortmund. Thankfully, it went off the post. So, um Nkuku was definitely the complete difference maker. Uh, For Leipzig, he played fantastic. I mean, Leipzig had a 2.4 xG. He probably had a 2.0 of the 2.4. I wouldn't be surprised at this point. Um, Dortmund 1.2. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to say? Marco Rosa said said it, you know, look at the 90 minutes. Leipzig were the better side. They they had the better goal-scoring opportunities and deserved to win. Um, Dortmund... Tried and tried well at times. Uh, I feel like after halftime in the tactical adjustment, uh, Dortmund responded well, obviously got the equalizer. And then you could just see, you could just see the tiredness creep in and Leipzig were not tired. And they just, the pressing from Leipzig was, was relentless. And it was just... Um, I keep on translating German into English it's horrible but mit der Brechstange I mean it was just they with the, the, the crowbar, crowbar they just <laughs> yeah they just kept hammering and hammering and hammering and it wasn't so much that it was overwhelming force of shots or anything like that I mean Dortmund had 11 and Leipzig had 14 so I mean it wasn't that much more possession Leipzig edged a little bit pass accuracy they edged it a little bit Uh, Don't want to actually had slightly more corners, but it was just constant. I feel like it was Angelino crosses and Kunku shots. I mean, that's pretty much that's kind of what it what it felt like. Um, And so uh, it's not to. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking right now the the XG 1.1 alone was Christopher Nkunku, uh, and 0.9 was Yusuf Paulson, and that's just because he scored. So that's already two of the 2.4. So other than that, uh, you know, Marco Royce tried really hard. Jude Bellingham kind of tried, but it was just they were tired, and I can't even blame them for it. And I saw afterwards people on Twitter were, Putting the blame on Marco uh, Rosa. Some people say, oh, we need Tazic back. It's like, what the fuck was that going to make a difference? I'm sorry, but that's just freaking stupid. Um, you know, whether it's Tazic or Rosa or Klopp or whoever on the sideline, you still have all the injuries. And when I hear, well, you know, there's just not enough depth in the defensive, um, on the defensive side, How many more fullbacks should Dortmund sign? (laughs) You know, I mean, freaking hell. You you had Paslak and Meunier. Meunier is the only reliable fullback left. And then you have like five other ones that are injured. It was great to see Don Aksa-Zagadu back for about eight minutes um, so there's a little bit of a glimmer of hope there. I believe I read that, uh, Rafael Guerrero is back in training. So there's some hope, but you know, it's just, it was like you said, a completely annoying game and I'm not surprised it went the way it did. I wish it hadn't and just kind of, kind of move on. I mean, obviously we need to talk about people like Donia Yaman, but.
0: Anyway. You know, well, let's, let's talk about the, um, things that Roy said right after the game because he did level some criticism toward Rose because he said with a back five basically the way Dortmund initially lined up, they were one man short in midfield to uh, you know, press Leipzig and hunt for balls, and he felt like that Dortmund were under man that way. And it didn't help. And uh Rosa basically said, yeah, what do you want me to do? We don't really have a left back and uh We're just trying to put everyone in their best position, sort of. And, uh, you know, the switch did come at halftime and uh, it did improve for a little while. But, uh, you know, I think Dortmund would have had to be really lucky to not concede two or or more goals over 90 minutes, to be honest, just because they they just ran out of steam. But, um, yeah, for the first half, just a couple of things that really did annoy me is, um, one, I thought that Pongracic had a really terrible passing game. And that, to me, sort of almost negated the um, advantage that you have if you have three in, in defense that you at least, in theory, can uh, have the first wave of build-up work out without being pressed and being under pressure by the strikers. But uh, if if you just miss your teammates and pass it straight to the opposition, that's not really helping either. And, uh, yeah, positionally... Pongracic also not great. Um, obviously, if you want to look at the first goal that Leipzig scored uh, by Nkunku, the uh, pass from uh, Gwadiol, where I think Akanji really stopped running, right? Um, because they, you know, he he thought Nkunku was offside, but obviously Pongracic was a little bit too far behind. Um, obviously, the uh, offside trap not working is always more likely if you play with a back three. Or well, back five, then with a the back four. But uh, yeah, this time it was just a really good pass. Just like uh, Meunier's pass to Royce was uh, just fantastic for the It was inculizer. a carbon copy. Yeah. It was the
1: same basic situation. One defender stopped, the other one played him on side, and bam, goal. I mean, yeah. it was the exact same goal.
0: Pretty much. O- o- only with the difference that, uh, at least in Nkunko's goal, there was a theoretical chance that Thomas would get that with the sliding tackle. When Royce scored, there was no one else to defend that. So um, that's about it. But uh, yeah, it's su- super annoying goal. And um, to me, a candidate that needed to be subbed off, to be honest, and bring on Knopf, I think was a good idea. And um, I think for a couple of stretches in the, in the second half, Dot um, were the better side because of the adjustment and because they still had some uh, energy left. But uh, another thing that's starting to annoy me a little bit also in in the first half is that Julian Brandt, even though he's overall playing okay, playing pretty well, he's got just this element of sloppiness in him in in the first half where he has just it's like, insane. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that is, but you know there was for example this one throw in where he tries to control the ball with his left foot and he just goes either play right away and uh, I, you know, he's seen teammates where none are and yeah, it's 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 a bit weird but he usually gets it together as, a, as the game progresses but just uh, you know, when you have an opponent that presses really hard and you have Julian Brandt who's supposed to maybe play out of this pressing and uh, has the opportunity and chance to do so and then, uh, you know, basic footballing things don't go the way they should because he's Tripping over himself or the ball or, uh, yeah, I don't know, just snatching at it. Weird. It's annoying. It, it just feels like he's not entirely focused as as he should be. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what to do about it really. Um, it's just uh, a little annoying because a couple of really good opportunities broke down, and Dortmund didn't really have that many, especially in the first half. This was probably the worst first half we've seen in a long time from Dortmund. I don't I don't know if they had a shot or a touch. Uh, in your position bo- box I think Marlon at some point he dribbled into the area but you know I think the ball just ran out of play and um I think if I remember correctly that the best chance actually came after a, a corner kick was that right where Bellingham had a really good shooting opportunity but uh, Marlon obviously blocked it because how else could it be um so yeah uh don't want, I think at the break we're very lucky that they were not down by 3 or 4 and uh, yeah Leipzig wasteful as we predicted and uh, previewed and of course we have to also just praise Gregor Kobel for the heroics he, sh- he shot in this game this one save where he uh, saved the ball and then just had this uh, sort of foot save encore before pausen could just tap it in uh, what a what a spectacular moment and I think uh moments later he had to save another one <laughs> um you know Matthias I think I've raved about Kobel in a way I have rarely raved about players on on this format uh before and I'm feeling entirely justified with that I am feeling in very safe hands with Gregor Kobel if uh the opponent scores and Kobe can't save it. Then for 99% of the time, I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, it was just a really good shot. And um, I don't, I don't know, but I feel like he is the kind of goalkeeper that wins you a lot of games. Whereas Burki didn't do that uh, to the same extent. So, um, at least on that position, I, I, I'm feeling, I think there's a palpable improvement. And, uh, if there's nothing else to feel good about, then that's that where I'm going with.
1: Yeah, I mean uh Grigor Colbid probably had his worst game for Dortmund and his best at the same in the same ninety minutes. He made some uh some errors, especially in build up. Mm-hmm. Um and but, then slip that slip uh, he had? Yeah, yeah, that was that was uh pretty crazy. But then he immediately recovered. He was so fast, right. it, it completely overwhelmed the um the Leipzig player. But uh, you know, I mean he made some fantastic saves. He, you know, the thing about him that gives me confidence, and obviously, you know, I have a reputation of being a Roman Buecki apologist, <laughs> is Gregor Krub is just a significantly bigger guy. I mean, he's bigger. He's physically more imposing than than Roman Birky. Um, He's more vocal and stuff like that. So, I mean, all of that kind of plays into perception and reality at the same time. You know, I do want to touch on two things that you talked about. One was the comments from Marco Royce. I'm totally on on Rose's side here because what alternatives, alternatives does he have? And say you put a three-man midfield. Then you've got Bellingham, Witzel, and Brandt. That's your three-man midfield. You're still not going to win the press. It can't all be down to an 18-year-old child versus Brandt and Witzel. Brandt, again, inconsistent. Witzel passed his prime at 32. So, you know, I think that comment from Marco Reus, even though he's one of my all-time favorite Dortmund players, I think was completely out of line. And then with Julian Brandt, uh, I'm I'm with you. I mean, if we take away Daniel Mann and then Ansgar Knauf, um, which, you know, he isn't meant to do this much. Julian Brandt had the worst pass percentage of any Dortmund player. Uh, under 60% of his passes were completed. They had the most progressive passes, but that doesn't really matter if your passes aren't getting to where they need to be. And that's that's troubling. And And I believe that a fully fit Borussia Dortmund side Julian Brandt wouldn't be playing. Uh, you'd have Gio Reyna in there. You'd have Mahmoud Tahut uh, defensively um, in midfield. Even maybe you'd have John. But I was gonna say you're gonna have Emre John come in because John gives you something that Brandt doesn't. You know, Brandt has more technical quality than John, but I feel like John, you at least have a chance to win the ball back. With Brandt, you just don't in transition. And I think with Witzel, he's just too slow. So your your options are a little limited. I feel like Dome were a little bit um I'm not going to say more stable, but when they put Zagadou in for Witzel, kind of in that more defensive midfield role, it, it, it was okay. But at that point, the game was already over, so it really didn't matter that much. And as far as Donjal Malin goes, um wow. you know, he was considered the nominal striker and his expected goal was zero. So, yeah, you know, uh he was... He was outperformed in XG by Manuel Akanji, Mats Hummels, Thomas Meunier, Jude Bellingham, and of course Marco Royce. And that's a problem. That's a problem when one of your strikers is being outperformed by both your central defenders for X-Spectacles. And um, Marco Rosa talked about this last week pre-match press conference and then post-match press conference and reiterated the same thing that, you know, Daniel Malen has an attitude problem. And that's the big problem. He's, he's, he hasn't gotten used to the significant uptick in physicality and pace of the Bundesliga versus the Eredivisie. You also can't forget in the Eredivisie, PSV were always, you know, it's PSV and Ajax, the top sides, and Dortmund, also one of the top sides, but the underbelly below PSV, Ajax, and then maybe Feyenoord and Azet is significantly softer than it is in the Bundesliga. And I think that's where Don is struggling. Obviously, he wasn't brought in as the main goal scorer, but right now he kind of has to step up. And we know, and, and Las pointed out to this, he's very wasteful at PSV. He was very wasteful. And, but he's not even being wasteful right now. He's just being nothing. I mean, if your XG is zero, you're not wasteful because you're not even doing anything. And there was one counterattack that was so symbolic where he was driving centrally slightly to the right and Bellingham was overlapping to the left in so much space. I mean, Acre, I mean, all he had to do was slot the ball in and Bellingham was one-on-one with the keeper and he didn't. He just held the ball up and then took a stupid shot. And you could see Bellingham frustrated and angry because, A, he made that lung-bursting run as a box-to-box midfielder and didn't get played in. If that is Erling Holland, if that is Marco Reus who would have gotten that ball, or even Julian Brandt, I believe that pass would have gone to Bellingham. And Doniel Mann is in his head. His attitude is wrong and i can say that definitively cuz marco Rosa has said it twice within a week that he has an attitude problem and that's what needs to be worked on and that is very concerning for a player that cost what 35 million if i remember
0: correctly what was it that something much something like that i thought I it was 25
1: um, 25 35 who knows anymore um but a lot and uh it's just not happening now we all know that players like Obama Young, Jaden Sancho. Obviously, Jaden Sancho was a teenager at the time. Um, even Lewandowski had problems adjusting to Dortmund and all problem. that kind of stuff.
0: If I, if yeah, may yeah, say ta- this,
1: yeah, it was just on the pitch; it wasn't necessarily working just yet. Sancho was immaturity. First Obama of all, Young, Obama just,
0: Young. I think his first game was a hat trick against Augsburg, if I'm not mistaken. So.
1: Well, he was initially played as a winger. Yes. But it still, it took a while, you know, until they found out, hey, let's put him as a striker. And Lewandowski, you know, Lucas Barrios, it was just, it was a different transition still at the time. First
0: of all, Lewandowski came from Leipzig-Posen for 5 million. Yes, and, uh, yeah. But, I, know I mean, I don't care about the price. I, know, I don't care about I the know, price. But Daniel Malin cost 30 million from from Eindhoven, and um, I think Malin, uh, at the time, he's already 22 years old. That's the point I was going to make. That you know, when we signed Marlon that I professed um, that he probably won't take, uh, you know, too much time to hit the ground running because of his age. You know, he is, sure, still relatively young from our perspective, but from a footballing perspective and the experience he has, he is not that young, um, to be honest. So um, all the things you just said are very worrying because he's you know, very fast gliding into the Yamolenko Andre Schulle territory, <laughs> if I may say so, and even that is uh, unfair to Schule and Yamolenko because at least those two players had glimpses of anything in the beginning of the season. Now, obviously, Malens did score that one goal against Sporting, which uh, I may say so is a very important goal. But you know, you are a secondary striker or first team striker or, or, or the, the first rate right striker in 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 these lineups in its match day 11 and you're playing for Borussia Dortmund and you hardly can get a shot off let alone score a goal in the Bundesliga and that to me is just deficient as hell i'm i'm sorry but you know you you have a lot of players around you that can get you into position so um the fact that there's zero chemistry that Dortmund his, that his teammates can't find him in, in, in spots where he's, you know, dangerous and that he can't do the same, it's just very problematic. And um, every time I see Don Mahling up close, I see his mouth shut. I never even once saw him communicate with teammates. And uh, to me, he just feels very out of character. You know, he is not doing the defensive work, the minimum sort of, the, the hustle, if you will, that um could maybe, uh you know, help him win the ball against uh, unorganized opposition and then counter-attack or so. Uh, he's not doing that. Um, You know, I think, oh God, against who, who was it where I, I think that the first Ajax game where he wasn't an entirely complete liability and needed to be subbed off because he didn't Nothing. Neither in attack nor in defense. And, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people said this is Marlen's chance to shine against Leipzig because Dortmund desperately needed him and because Leipzig, at least in theory, are a team where a player with his sort of playing style can profit from. And we did see that Marco Reus uh, did just that. Um, So, yeah, I it's it's really hard to say where the journey will go for Daniel Malem but uh once again i feel like when dortmund spent above 20 million more often than not uh you know if it's a quote unquote uh, established player then it's it's not hitting and this time again um it, it is deeply worrying because he did cost a lot of money and he was not a direct replacement for jaden sancho but at least you know you would expect for him to compensate some sort of the goal scoring and assisting. And uh, yeah, you know, the, the the worst part to me is at least when you list players like Lewandowski or Aubameyang and uh, mentioning, mentioning the fact that they all needed some time to adjust. Yes, um, I, I give you that absolutely 100%, but at least in that adjusting time before they really are unquestioned stars and established Dortmund players at least you saw glimpses you could at least see that you know there's potential and uh, what this player theoretically can do if uh, you know what he's attempting comes off but uh, for Marlon I just don't have that feeling I don't I don't even have the imagination of uh, what he could do for Dortmund so um, Matthias help me out here but uh, uh, it's dire
1: Yeah, I mean I'm just looking at FBref some of the statistics and you know when you've got your attacking players you know whether it's a winger or a striker you do expect them sometimes to take on the opponent um for attempted dribbles and he attempted one you know um
0: he was he, he wasn't he he's good at that he can yes, get past the Yes, Yes. You know, the one-on-one skill is something that Marlin should excel in. You know, he can skip past opponents that are right of him to the left side and then cut inside or whatever. That should be something that we repeatedly say, uh, see each game, but you don't. And we saw that,
1: I would say, in the first month and a half. It was like you could see what was coming. It was like, all right, you know, he hasn't scored yet, but it'll come. He's getting into the right positions. He's making some great runs. He's... He's pulling players out of position with his movement and it's just kind of fallen off. And it's, it's part of it is maybe he's frustrated that he's not scoring. So he's going into a shell, you know, he's obviously not from Dortmund. He hasn't built up a chemistry with his uh, teammates yet because that can take time. And so he's just going into a bit of a shell and attacking players. Well, anybody, any human, uh, that can then suffer from that mentally. I mean, you know, we've talked about that, the psychology of keepers. The same psychology really applies, obviously for a different reason, to strikers. But, I mean, there was a short period of time, you know, a few games where everyone was questioning Haaland because he didn't score a hat trick <laughs> in, in each game for like three or four games he didn't score. But... And, and he was snatching a bit of opportunities, but he was, there was never, you didn't feel like, you know, shoulders down, head down, oh, woe is me, give up. Which some players have. Uh, that's one of the the things that in negative streaks, Jane Sancho had a lot of. Uh, Gio Reyna can have that as well. But again, younger players at the time. Um, Rafael Guerrero can have that. Always have that issue with him. But Dona Yemite, he can't, be that way just yet when you have to prove yourself otherwise he is running headlong into transfer flop and I won't kind of like with you I'm not going to quite compare him to Yarmolenko or Schiele because you know different positions different expectations maybe and but I never felt with those two players that the attitude was wrong I just feel like they were out of form it didn't fit they didn't score, you know, it was just, just wasn't right for them. But I never felt like there was an attitude issue. Um, and with him, well, there is, because Marco Rosa has said so twice now, within a week, that it's, a lot of it is mental. Aside from having to get used to the pace and physicality of the Bundesliga, it, there's a big mental issue going on there. And that's a difficult one. That's a very, very difficult one. So hopefully he can sort it out before the winter break. Maybe and maybe his body just hasn't adjusted to actual mm-hmm. food after living. Yeah, in the I Netherlands. mean <laughs> it's true. He did have flitzer, <laughs> as Michael was said. But I mean, think of it, was it last season or the season before when Jaden Sancho had like half of a season of slump? I wanna say it was last season. Yeah. Where, like, there was no assi- there was like one assist, maybe in the first half of the season. There was no goal. And then the second half of the season, I mean, he torched the league. And hopefully, Dona Manin will do the same thing. And
0: I mean, I'm you not know, I don't want to hope. You know, it's, no, just, it, it's just a little harder to hope right now. That's it.
1: Yeah. And the problem is, of course, people like to dogpile on people. And if you see someone who's clearly struggling mentally, Dogpiling on them isn't going to help. It's going to make the situation worse. And obviously, Borussia Dortmund, the coaching staff, and so on, are completely aware of the situation because they've addressed it publicly twice now in a week. So hopefully they can, you know, they can't really take these two weeks because I'm pretty sure Donny Mann is with the yes, Dutch national team. Uh, so obviously he's not there. So it would have been better if he would have been in Dortmund. They could have worked more with him. But maybe that's exactly the break he needs. I don't know. If he gets know? a hat-trick for the
0: Dutch national team because they thump some, I don't know, some crappy other national team, then I'm all for it. I think the last time he scored. So I don't know who, who the Netherlands play uh, in, in this international break. Do you? I am
1: not entirely sure. I'm I'm looking at it right now. They are playing malta no that's croatia <laughs> it bumped up for me um that would have been a nice one though i'm i'm looking i'm looking and i'm scrolling <laughs> how can it Come take on. so long <laughs> well there are a lot of okay, games so there we go montenegro, montenegro and they're playing Norway. montenegro
0: i just i just googled netherlands national team and i had it right away what did you do they
1: were the last, I scrolled through Spieltag on kicker app, and they I were see. literally the last match <laughs> of the day. It's like, oh, come on. Just get to it already. Anyway, um, maybe. I mean, maybe that's that's exactly what he, he needs, kind of a uh, an easier go of it and score a couple of goals against Montenegro. Not saying that it's easy against Norway or Montenegro, uh, but it's not Spain or Italy,
0: so maybe that'll work. Anyway, back to the Dortmund game, <laughs> uh, because I, overall I still I'm I'm still happy with the performance the Dortmund showed, uh, even though we've nitpicked quite a lot. But overall, I I still like the amount of fight they showed, the never say die mentality, because this game could have been over. Much sooner than uh, when Yusuf Paulson scored, when was it in uh, sixty-eight minutes or so? This game could have been over by then, and even then, it still felt a little bit like maybe Dortmund could find a way um, in the last twenty minutes and and, and fluke one in, just like Frankfurt did the previous week. And uh, I have to say, when uh, Mokoko came in uh, for Marlin, I thought that he. Um, moved much more than uh, in, in, in terms of of uh, you know, having an, any impact on the game than Marlon did in the previous 70 minutes. Um, so there's that. Um, but but just overall for the 70 minutes until uh, Paulsen scored that back post goal, um, which Torghazar, <laughs> the left back, could not defend. Um, yeah. Uh, I I think Dortmund really did give Leipzig a good run for their money, and the the fact that they scored the way they scored with the Marco Roy score also was a nice little wake up call for for Leipzig in the sense that they uh, all of a sudden had to deal with the fact that Dortmund might actually also uh, have some attacking momentum, which obviously was completely lacking in the first half. So um, I I, I I'll say this: I'm overall we've talked about the modern problems um but the next man up mentality in this dortmund team is insane and the squad depth that we have that we are this competitive still is really good because let's you know if if leipzig were really any good they probably would have won by 5 um but they didn't and uh, kudos to dortmund for for doing that and uh, yeah it's obviously good news that uh, Zagadou is uh, uh returning and uh, yeah uh, I'm I'm looking forward to having him more in the game especially if Pongratich plays like this. I don't know what happened to Pongracić. I feel like the last two games so all of a sudden uh uh he he's making it mistakes. He was on Twitch. Yeah, but even before that he made mistakes uh, all of a sudden and uh you know what uh, looked like a very solid player all of a sudden looks uh, a little sketchy and uh, I don't like this new development. But uh, a player that did not look sketchy at all to me was also Mats Hummels. I feel like uh, we hardly ever mention him, but I, in the uh, in the most games this season, I think he is one of our best performan- performers and uh, you know really cleans up a lot of things with his uh, anticipation. And I'm just really glad to still have him. And I still think he's performing at a very high level and I love watching him play football. So the fact that we have that, I think, uh, warms my heart a little bit and uh, is 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 a nice adage, let's say, because um, without him, I I feel like a lot of things would have gone way worse. The fact that, for example, uh, Cologne didn't score uh, is also big credit to Hummels because uh, the way he handled Modest was uh, really good. So um, you know, against Leipzig, I, I think he also had a very decent game and i just wanted to mention that so um in in terms of uh fight that's in this team um i'm just very positive and i feel like just because of the attitude overall um Dortmund will just score way more points uh, than they usually would and of course once uh, the injury crisis uh, abates a little bit i feel like um it it it's going to be much easier for Dortmund to pick up these wins because matthias there's one thing that really annoyed me about this match day and this this particular game is that uh, Bundesliga pundits were all raving about Leipzig and how Jesse Marsh is turning things around. And uh, I just wasn't all that impressed with Leipzig, I'll be honest. I think uh, if fit Dortmund, you know, maybe with two more players, bring in Dahud and Haaland, for example, or so, or Dahoud and Guerrero, uh, or maybe just Haaland, I don't know. Um I feel like a couple more additions f- f- for Dortmund, uh, and, and a bit more fitness, less less fatigue. And I think Leipzig don't really have a have a have a whiff, to be honest. I don't think they're that great. Yes, and Kunku had a good game, but uh Dortmund uh if they're any any bit better, they're just cutting this off and they punish Leipzig for their makeshift defense. So um it's just annoying to me. But maybe in in hindsight it's it's good because it might keep Marsh longer employed employed. But uh yeah, Matthias, I I wasn't that impressed with Leipzig and I didn't really like the narrative that was fun and uh, didn't really buy the whole uh all the headlines of how great Leipzig played. I you know, I wasn't that impressed. I thought I, mean, that, obviously I thought that Cologne played better biased. last week. week yes, No,
1: games. absolutely. Um I mean, obviously, we're biased anti-Leipzig. Yes. Uh, anti Abbe leipzig Yes. Okay. Um, there's no doubt about that. And anybody with a soul should be. I'll be honest. If you if you support Abbe leipzig unless you're from Leipzig, uh, you're soulless. So I'll just put that out. Soulless and heartless on top of it. So um, not at all <laughs> speaking in superlatives there. Um, No, but in in all seriousness, it's always the same bullshit. Uh, With Hoffenheim, they do the same thing. With Leipzig, you know, at least they've stopped saying Cinderella story. Because, good God, they kept saying that for years with Leipzig. I'm like, this is... You want to see a Cinderella story? Go to the Zweite Bundesliga and watch Heidenheim. Or Christian Streich at Freiburg. (laughs) Those are Cinderella stories. This is not it. It's a franchise. When I also heard, um, I forget who it was, or if I read it, where people say, oh, you know, if we move forward in the future, Leipzig will be the number one contender with Bayern for the Bundesliga title. How the fuck do you figure that? It's like, Dortmund just gonna stop making money going to the Champions League and playing? Like, that's, that's just such a, an idiotic term. And I understand that on the English feeds, they like to play these games, uh, especially if you've got uh, an American audience and you have an American coach like Jesse Marsh. And I am not a big Jesse Adams. Marsh fan. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not a big Jesse Marsh fan because, you know, he had his struggles at Red Bull Salzburg. And Salzburg needs to run away with that league in Austria every single year. If you don't, you're a failure. Sorry, that's it's like come on. Uh their their advantage in the Austrian Bundesliga is I'm not going to say embarrassing because I don't want it to reflect poorly on teams like Austria wien or Rapid Wien, but it is embarrassing that it exists. And and that's that's a true shame uh that Red Bull has destroyed uh domestic football in Austria to that degree. Um and they're going to do it in Brazil by the way too. I watch a lot of Brazilian Football. and they're on their way there too. Um, their their franchise in Brazil is actually in the Copa Sudamericana final already. Already, believe it or not. So I agree with you. I think a fully fit Dortmund uh, would have given in in the preferred Marco Rosa system of the four four two diamond would have given Leipzig one hell of a run for their money because it would have tied up their central defenders more. Uh, You have to account for Holland at all times. So they would have had to put a body on him. Dahoud at the base of that diamond uh, is secure in possession, presses well, and his pressing resistance is fantastic. And that is one of the key things that messed up Dortmund is Brandt isn't great with pressing resistance,
0: Witze. Used to be better at it, but really isn't. I mean, the first and big you, chance that Leipzig had was because yeah. Witzel was pressing, he couldn't get rid of the ball as he usually does.
1: Exactly. And the problem is, nobody moved into a position that's the other problem. Nobody moved into a position for him to play it too. Um, well, he's still and those are just theoretically, he, he, theoretically, but you know, that's not, that's not how Dortmund are coached to play in that situation. It's looking for more for a progressive pass rather than going back to the keeper, but obviously sometimes you just have to do that. Uh, just like in defense, sometimes you just have to knock that damn thing fifty yards down the pitch, versus trying to play it out nicely. At times, it's just sometimes you got to do that. Um, so hopefully, hopefully Dortmund will just regain some of their fitness. And then uh, in time, obviously, then you know they have to play Leipzig again this season. Leipzig, this is pretty much the team you will have even then. I, they don't have a ton of injuries, I don't believe. I believe this is their main starting uh, eleven uh, for the most part. You know, Silva came on later. And Dortmund at that time, if they're fully fit, it's a completely, completely different game. And it's almost like a lot of people ignored the fact that, A, Dortmund had a makeshift team put in there where you had an attacking winger and an attacking central midfielder playing at left back. Um, You didn't really have a true out-and-out striker, and everybody has to play every three to four days for 70 to 90 minutes. And that just takes its toll, and it's like a perfect storm to run up against a Leipzig team that just presses the way they do. You know, it's not that they outplayed them like Ajax did. Ajax pressed them and outplayed them. Leipzig didn't outpass them. They didn't dissect Dortmund. They just overwhelmed Dortmund after a while. And like you said, I think with a a fully fit team, that just wouldn't happen.
0: Yeah, I... Obviously, if both have uh, 100% fit teams, uh, I still think that Dortmund are much better than Leipzig. But uh, it's it's also crazy to, to think, you know, um, the later stages of the game, because Leipzig could bring on Forsberg, they brought on André Silva, Olmo and Konrad Leimer. You know, those are really strong substitutions. And if you look at that for comparison, Dortmund brought on Ansgar Knauf, Mokoko Khani and Danaxel Zagadou. So, um, in terms of depth and, uh, you know, just, just talent, um, the, the, the team that Dortmund have to compete with, uh, late in the game was also so much better on, on Leipzig's part. So, um, in so many ways it, it just, uh, you know, a forget- forgettable game and, uh, I really hate that Leipzig came out on top in the end. You know, it would have been nice had Dortmund just snuck a, a free kick or a corner kick to, to equalize and uh, keep them at a nine points distance or so. I mean, the the one good thing about this uh, match day, if you will, is that Leverkusen at least drew against Hertha Berlin. Um, Bayern obviously won are now four points ahead. So, um, you know, if if you wanted to see a showdown between Bayern and uh, Dortmund for the top of the Bundesliga uh, in uh, what is it, three weeks time or so when they play against each other, I think it's uh, the the match day uh 13 game so Dortmund play against should next and I think uh I don't know who Bayern play but there's also some team they definitely going to be I think maybe Augsburg or so um yeah uh so so it's probably still going to be a four points different. uh on match day 13 when they meet so Dortmund can't leapfrog them then which would have been a fun scenario but just doesn't happen now and um I'll be honest, Matthias. I've I've said it all along. I just don't think that Dortmund can't keep up with Bayern anyway. So, um, you know, as much as I would love to talk about a title race, I'm just not feeling or seeing it. Uh, if and, and and the sad part to to me at least, I don't know how you feel about it, but to me, from the standpoint of the squad that Dortmund have, it's not really what you would dub a transition year. I think when you have Haaland on your team, which for probably the last season you have him on your team um this is at least on paper the, the season where you will go for it uh and and try to have a title race but if you have that many injuries it's it just comes you know, utopic for me and uh, sadly that's the situation we're in uh don't want, had a, a nice points tally, nevertheless But uh, yeah, this loss against Leipzig really does hurt. And the fact that Leipzig are now uh, only in quotation marks of six points of Dortmund uh, is also very annoying. So, um, you know, I I really do hope they're going away just like Wolfsburg will again under their new coach. But uh, who knows, you know, but yeah, I I don't know. It's kind of an annoying season right now because Dortmund in in theory are good to watch. And I really am curious to find out what... uh, Marco Rose's uh, vision really is because I don't feel like we've seen it that much yet um, but uh, the current situation just doesn't allow it so there's that I don't know what else to say
1: yeah I mean it's frustrating because I think a fully fit Dortmund you absolutely are in a title race um, I mean, and it may still come might, I'm, you know me I try to be as optimistic as I can as long as possible Uh that all being said, I mean Dortmund are the. Th- I saw this statistic on on Kika. Dortmund are the third most improved side in the Bundesliga so far this season. I think that it's a plus of seven points over last year at this time. The only two that are even better are uh, Freiburg and Mainz. <laughs> you know, Mainz were really really bad a year ago.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say Freiburg, earlier when you said in the so, sorry, just the fact yeah. that Mainz are still in the Bundesliga because. I think they were, were they last at the end of the in run the last season or, or so, but mm, I think they were second to last because I mean we, yeah, we yeah, they talk were talk about Schalke, being decimated, <laughs> yeah. <Forgot about> the, <laughs> and that's the thing.
1: I mean, I mean, if you talk about decimated by injuries, that is a story also of Schalke's relegation season. I mean, they were they were destroyed by injuries and they just couldn't recover. Dortmund aren't that, um, so and plus there are other things at schalke that just go wrong and are still going wrong. Yeah, it
0: wasn't just the that injuries. Dortmund don't have to deal with. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But, but yeah, but I the mean the injuries if you, if obviously if you, if you, hurt. If you talk about injuries, for example, you know Dortmund's next opponent Stuttgart is also really uh, injury-stricken. So I, at least I hope Dortmund can benefit a little bit from that and uh, of course, um, when we look at players possibly returning, and I'm not entirely sure what this extensive list is, and I'm also not sure uh, what players will return from the international break healthy. But uh, if Guerrero alone is healthy and can play for I don't know uh, the entire stretch um, till till the winter break, you know that would be huge because he's obviously one of Dortmund's best players, and uh, you know that also frees up Hazard. So you can have him up top a little bit further and uh, maybe take some uh, weight off Marlon. Uh, so just having one player return frees up so much other stuff. Uh, so if Guerrero comes back and uh, hits form, and uh, you know which which you can expect right away, maybe uh, he might have a couple of slow games in the beginning. Um, I don't know um, how his how his muscles are, <laughs> but we all know how Guerrero always needs a little bit of time. Um, Still, it should be a tremendous change in in Dortmund's uh, overall structure, and uh, I really do hope that Bellingham and Marco Reus stay fit because, to me, they have been so consistently good this season, and uh, not only that, but also very healthy and always uh, um, among the, the, the top hustlers of this Dortmund team. So, on the one hand, I'm really fearing for them. On the other hand, uh, I am applauding their consistency uh, considering all the shit they have been going through.
1: Yep, right there with you.
0: So, yeah, Matthias. So, uh, since it's winter, uh, it's not winter break, since it's international break, and uh, we don't have that much else to talk to uh, talk about because, obviously, the Shuka game is still a bit far out. Um. Let's maybe take a look at potential transfers or uh, just identify uh, spots that Dortmund uh, need, to, need to cover. Um, I think the most prominent rumor these days is that maybe Witzel might go to Juventus. Um, from uh, players leaving, obviously Adeyemi or Adeyemi or whatever he's called, the Salzburg player joining Dortmund is also uh, very hot news right now. Um... But I wanted to talk about the whole Witzel situation with you because um, clearly he is past his prime and he is not helping Dortmund the way he he did in the past. And uh, I'll be frank, if it were up to me, I'd probably sell him if possible or let him go at the end of the summer, even though he still has some value for, for Dortmund right now. I still think he does have... Uh, um, good stints and and elements that give this team structure but nevertheless just uh with a long-term view I'm not really seeing it so um Matthias um a if opportunity comes and say Juventus shows interest and want to sign a player I don't know if that's true or not um would you do it and and B. what kind of uh replacement would you look for and don't say Delaney <laughs> Oh. <laughs> um I mean, would I do
1: it in a perfect world where Dortmund have no injuries? Yes, would I do it right now? Oh hell no uh, I mean, Dortmund have almost nobody left. um, if you let him go, obviously that kind of playmaking type player, I mean, that's Mahmoud Taud Taud is fit week in week out. He will always play there. I So one player I wouldn't mind seeing, he's also in a very good run of form right now, is Dennis Zakaria from Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think he would, obviously, he would fit with Marco Rose. He would fit with the Borussia Dortmund uh, way of playing it and the system that would be that would be one player i'd like to see now he's not a like for like type player but i don't think that's what don't want necessarily need in that type of role because no we absolutely do just, not
0: need another type no. player we need pace no <laughs> just
1: yeah and and what i was saying is you know are you looking for a backup for Dahoud? that just doesn't make sense to me uh you can build up a little bit differently then i I'd, I'd slot zagadu into that position because he does have that progressive passing ability from deep. So no, I mean, Dennis Zacharia for me would be a player I would love to see because then you have that core of energetic, pacey, also technical players in central midfield that you can rotate between John Bellingham and a player like Zakaria. So Zakaria is the type of player I believe Dalton should then go after. The only time I would even consider that Dortmund should sell Witsa is if they've already signed that replacement or they're about to sign that replacement. Selling him right now with the injury situation in a vacuum, I think you can't do it. But the good thing is no one would be selling right now anyway. I mean, you're talking two months from now and then we'll just have to see where the situation is. Would he fit for Juventus, on the other hand? Of course it is. I mean, Serie A is a, a, a league where older players tend to thrive. It's it's still slower paced for the most part. Juventus are not going to win Serie A this season. They may not even make Champions League if, you know, if I'm that lucky. Um, so does it make sense for Vitza? For sure, absolutely. Does it make sense for... Um, Juventus, sure. Does it make sense for Dortmund? Yes, but you need that other type of player and the Zachariah is the type of player I'd like to see.
0: Okay, fair enough. So, um, one player, I'm just going to say this, uh, who I really want to see in Dortmund is Sebastian Alia. Uh, obviously we saw <laughs> very up close how good he is, but I already wanted him when he was still playing for Frankfurt and I did not quite understand why... Uh Dortmund can't get a player like him when he's joining freaking West Ham. Um nothing against West Ham, I think they're even in Champions League spots right now. Wages. Wages. Yeah. It's just wages. Yeah, I know, I know. But still, you know, uh, can can can't be always hundred percent reasons and um uh yeah, Halea also didn't do all that well in, in West Ham. Um but I just I, I feel like uh from a skill set of um what Alia brings to the table I feel like he's a very complete striker and you know he is good at headers he is very good at holder play he can dribble he you know can play make a little bit and he can finish in in, in several ways and forms he has a very uh good palette of uh of striker skills and uh, you know he is also just darn efficient right now I think so, in in that regard, I mean, he's also 27. He's, like, in, in the perfect age. I don't know what his details are, uh, if, if he's even remotely gettable. I think, no, he has a contract till 2025, and I don't think that Ajax really would let him go. But, uh, you know, I'm just going to say it. If if there's any possibility to, to sign this guy, I would love to see him in Dortmund. But uh, I feel like... Uh, if there's a alert transfer it's probably going to be another team that has uh more wages to pay let's put it this way um but yeah it's it's just a striker i really really love um watching and uh, i also think would be a good long-term fit for dortmund um so yeah also i think if dortmund signed alert he would unlike Marlon, immediately uh, work for them and, and uh, make sense so I don't know if it's f- feasible at all I know there will be some money that Dortmund will receive for Haaland so if they would invest that into Alea I uh, I would be very happy with that um, now Matthias I have to ask you though because the uh, the hotter news so to speak is Karim Adeyemi who is with Red Bull Salzburg right now uh, just like Haaland was and he is 19 years old And, uh, of course, he is a German international now. And I think one of the very few that make it from the Austrian League. So, obviously, uh, he can play soccer. But, uh, that being said, I don't know much about him. I don't know if you do. But, uh, if you have any opinion on him to share and a potential move to Dortmund, which I think Transfermarkt is ranking at 46%, uh, please be my guest and tell me now
1: <laughs> well I mean there are a whole bunch of strikers listed by Transfermarkt as you know a, a decent chance of going well, to the, the, Dortmund the, the,
0: the absolute no um, I want to say here right away is Timo Werner absolutely do not want to see this guy in Dortmund
1: no I don't think Timo Werner come because it just comes down to the finances it's just not going to Yeah, but, but e- even if it were realistic,
0: like, I just there. don't want him <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, Karim Adeyemi, uh, you know, I think the overall upside is there from what I've seen a little bit in the Champions League because I can't watch the Austrian Bundesliga. Um, He, I mean, he's the hot prospect. Everybody kind of wants him. That tends to mean he's good at what he does. Um, Would he be a fit for Dortmund? Yeah, I mean, uh, Salzburg play, a high-intensity pressing, high-paced game that obviously Marco Rose likes because he's a former Red Bull Salzburg manager. Uh, so, you know, you mentioned Sebastian Alea. I mean, in a perfect world, you invest the money from a Holland transfer into both Adeyemi right. and Sebastian Alea. Playing in that diamond system, you have extraordinarily dynamic attackers with Daniel Malin in there as well who can then either slot in behind them or with them, and then you know, I mean, one of the the players that I think that really makes Ajax tick is Dušan Tadić, and that's the Marco Royce role, and so that to me that would be the perfect scenario, the perfect scenario. I mean, there are other play, uh, players listed here. Um, trying to see like uh, Dušan Vlaovic. From Fiorentina, um, it's rated at 33%. He's going to be too much money. I mean, he's valued at $50 million. He's going to want high wages. He's not going to Dortmund. It, I would be shocked if he would go to Dortmund. Um, Sebastian Alia, I think it's like 19%. And there again, it just may be somebody coming in with more money uh, to offer it to him like Atletico. I, You know, he would be actually a good fit for a Cholo Simeone type system. Um, but I would... Adiemi. If Dortmund get him, one it sets another marker for what Dortmund can do. He's obviously looking at it as because Bayern want him as well. But what are his options at Bayern? To be a rotational option for Lewandowski, he doesn't want that. That that doesn't that that stagnates his career. He's looking at Dortmund and goes, "I can play right away." Whether he comes in the winter and can play right away, or comes in the summer after Holland leaves, he can play right away. I mean, that at the end of the day was also the, the direction that Holland went, that Jadon Sancho, that a lot of these players, Jude Bellingham and so on, are like, I can play right away at a high quality and play in the Champions League. And so for Karim Adeyemi, I think that's that's the natural progression, the natural fit, and I think just Dortmund are the perfect fit for him Instead of someone like Bayern, Bayern is really the other big club that's being mentioned a lot for him to go to. I believe reports are that Dortmund right now are favored, but who knows what happens in the next two months?
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I, I mean, there there are many reports uh, that Dortmund, you know, are ahead of Leipzig and Bayern, but I've seen this a million times, and I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know if. Uh, that Really means anything to be honest, but uh, yeah, what would, would be nice? Uh, obviously, Dortmund need to sign another striker, uh, and uh, they are very much in the market for one. And um, I do think with uh Leipzig having Andre Silva and with Bayern obviously having Lewandowski, that uh, Dortmund at least have the argument that whoever they sign, they can promise him to be the number one guy. <laughs> So I do think that's an advantage, and uh, I'll, I I think you're right in in, in that regard. But um, the other the other question I have for that position is obviously uh, we've talked about it a lot. Um, backup striker Matthias, um, does it make sense for Dortmund to try to find one in this uh, next transfer period? Because of course they do have Yusufa Mukoko, they have. Daniel Marlin, who, um, I don't know if he's a backup necessary, he's a starter right now, but at least, um, you know, he can play that striker role. So does uh, if he's not, uh, you know, asked to play left-back or wing-back, Thorgan Hazard. Marco Reus, when he's playing up top, is also not the worst player in the world. So um, do you think this is an issue that Dortmund should address and say Mokoko is still too raw and Stefan Tiggis is just not at the level and uh if we want to be competitive really uh and Haaland is injured or whoever the number guy number one guy is we need an out and out striker there
1: well i think that's where the discussion is coming in also with Adeyemi as a possible winter transfer because then you have the backup with the outlook that hey you're going to be one of the main people After the summer, but you can also slot in right away because obviously Daniel Malin, we've got some issues, some betting in issues. I'm not not to say that Ariemi wouldn't have those either, but you know, I have a feeling it may be a little bit less of an issue. Um, So, I believe Dortmund do need a backup striker if you're playing a two striker system. Granted, if everybody is healthy. You're almost playing with two false striker because Mukoko for me is a totally different type of striker uh, than Holland. Of course, I mean, just look at the two guys standing next to each other, and you can already see the difference between them physically, and that that makes a difference. Um, so, I do believe Dortmund need another striker to come in. If it can be Adiemi in the winter, then you've got your problem solved, and then you can look for another one for the summer. Um, as well because obviously you're looking at Holland leaving and then you'll need somebody else but you need need that money at that point
0: do you think that there are any veteran strikers from other Bundesliga clubs that you could sign who could do a formidable job for Dortmund uh, and know the role they are having is there anyone you can think of from the top of your head because I right now cannot but I feel like there there, there might be a couple names here and there that you might be able to get somehow.
1: I mean I'm I'm thinking and looking while <laughs> we speak. Um I mean if he wasn't injured, I would say Niels Peterson. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, he's 32. Um, be that as it may. I mean, he's proven to be a very good impact sub, uh, let's be honest. Yes. Uh that 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 is one. Um another guy that I really like, but he's more of a winger than a central striker is Vincenzo Grifo. Um, is he playing for from, Wolfsburg from Freiburg. What right did he No, even, he's at Freiburg. Did
0: he move back? I know he yeah. did play for Wolfsburg. Yeah.
1: And he's yeah, and he's having a hell of a season as well. So I mean, those are. But he plays more of a, a winger type position there. But he can also play as a central striker, um, and and he's also, as we know,
0: very good from set pieces. Um, that's right. <laughs> uh, we should just sign you know, him so he, so Freiburg don't defeat us anymore. Yeah, probably just if that's
1: the case, need Daniel Caligiuri as well. <laughs> um, other than that, I mean, trying to think. Who else could could fit in that? Especially because you're saying, you know, a veteran well, striker. See, my
0: my, fav- my favorite option always would have been sort of the the uh, the the uh, successor of the Adrian Ramos role would have been Finn bogerson, But he is from Augsburg, but he sadly is always so injury prone. So you can't really uh, bank on him. And I don't know if uh, a Cordova, for example, would be... An option like that. Maybe I'm just looking uh, because I think Cordova is also from the same country. I don't know. Is he Colombian or is he? No, he's from Venezuela. Uh, yes. Never, no. never mind.
1: Oh, different. Okay. Well, I mean, or look at someone. Go go to Hoffenheim. Look at someone like Andrei Kamaric <laughs> or Munas Dabur. Muna you know Dabur, he's 29. He does score. He's not going to be overly expensive. And he would be okay, probably, with that type of role. Um, Another one, if he wasn't just scoring the way he is right now, would have been someone like Anthony Modeste before the season because he wasn't very happy at Köln, and I just feel like that would have been a perfect fit. Uh, But obviously that's off the table right now because he's having an absolutely fantastic season for Köln, and he would be insane to, to leave that situation right now. Um, you know, I mean, if we're looking at veterans where you like go in and maybe you could occasionally score, uh, Florian Niederlechner is one, but again, I mean, these are really just backups. Yeah. But
0: that's exactly the defined role.
1: Yeah. To me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically, you're looking for, uh, Sandro Wagner. Yeah. Basically. uh, Just, just less of an asshole. Yeah. But someone, (laughs) someone that's
0: significantly better than Stefan Tiggis, but also, Probably very far away from the Haaland uh, level, just so that he is still in a feasible, uh, uh, you know, situation. Because I, I think the role will be clearly defined. It's not a striker that um, you know, will uh, play hours and hours per season. Uh, but at least someone uh, that's that's proven, that no, knows that what he is doing and, uh, you know, doesn't lose his head when, when things get a little chaotic and, uh, you know, just like Julian Schieber back in the day just have uh, the one-two moments that really do make a difference sometimes. So, um, you know,
1: it's... I mean, here are two more names uh, just because they have scored prolifically but they are not happy in their current situation. Go to the Capital... And you're looking at someone like Piontek, who is not happy there, but we know he can score and they could probably get him at a decent price, or Isak Belfodil, who's also at Hata. Um, you know, those are also players that I feel, I mean, they've proven they can score. They've proven they can score against Dortmund. Well, at least Belfodil has. <laughs> uh, and Piontek, I, you know, as a Serie A fan, I know the quality of this area, and he's only 26. So this isn't really someone you're looking at who's around 30, but a change of scenery and a change of system could definitely benefit him. So I guess there are a few purely looking at Bundesliga strikers that could fulfill that role. And maybe even with the upside, if you bring in an Adiemi to be like, you know, maybe there's more time for you next season. Less so a Florian Niederlechner or someone like that. Uh, or Munas Tabor, but, you know, a Piontek, you could look at if he plays well. You know, I mean, you could even do something because he does want out uh, at Hatta, uh, and he's not very happy there. I mean, Hatta brought in, like, four new strikers or something, four new attacking players this year, uh, to, to maybe do a loan for the rest of the season with a possible buy option. I mean, those are always, that's always on the card. I mean, that's what, essentially, Pongracic is doing. Right. And if he would play well, which right now he's hitting inconsistency, and obviously the whole twitch twitch gate uh <laughs> is not playing into his favor but that's that's a situation like that that you could probably look at one of those players or you just outright buy one of them
0: yeah i I don't know i am i'm just I'm just trying to to things over because um if we if we really look at it, I, I think uh in the long term, obviously Dortmund need to find uh a replacement for Witzel and that needs to be a really good playmaker. You know, not only uh you know someone that just replaces Witzel, I think it needs to be an upgrade over Witzel. And I think that's uh, obviously possible and uh yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm interested to see who Dortmund come up with, and uh, also I think the striker position needs to be really addressed. Um, otherwise, you know, if you if you look at fullback, um, I think uh, the eternal struggle will be to you know replace Nico Schulz with someone more capable. I think uh, because Guerrero to me is just set, and if he sees his future in Dortmund, then I see his future in Dortmund uh to be to be quite honest and uh otherwise I don't know w- where the journey goes with uh brunt and and marlin um i'm 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 pretty sure there's going to be uh a lot of movement especially uh when Kill takes over completely um i think he has his own ideas as well, and uh who knows what's on uh Marco rose's wish list to be honest because uh I I do do think he has some influence on the transfers too. Otherwise, I don't think Pongracic would be in Dortmund right now. So um there's that. Anyway, Matthias, I I don't really have too many other names to drop in terms of potential uh, players that Dortmund may or may not sign. You know, but I I, I think for for a quick look of uh, what's out there, we did an okay job. You know, it's not like uh, Dortmund right now are a hotbed of rumors that you can explicitly talk about uh, players connected to the club. So, uh, yeah, I think for an international break episode we have done our job. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think we we shall be back next can I, week.
1: Can I throw one name at you just to get your thoughts on it? Sure. Uh, I'd be curious. Uh, Jonathan Burkhardt from Mainz. I mean, he's our leading scorer. He's under 21 international for Germany. He's on the radar of Hansi Flick. He's got a contract for two more years uh, at Mainz. He's only 21.
0: I mean, he's a, he's a budding talent. But I really haven't seen enough of him yet to really have a formed opinion. But I feel like by the time I have a formed opinion, it might be too late. But something, I don't know, it's a weird feeling, but something just tells me that he's Probably a better signing for Leverkusen than he is for Dortmund. I don't know what where I'm getting this gut feeling from, but uh, I feel like he's just not entirely in Dortmund's share. If I might be completely wrong about that, um, but no, that's I, totally fair. Like it's just
1: uh, a curiosity question since we were on the striker topic.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I've 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 seen him a lot for minds because I do tend to watch a lot of minds games inadvertently. Um, I feel, I don't know if it if it's the first touch or or, or the pace or something. He he de- definitely is a capable striker, but I don't know. He to to me is like more the next Stefan Kiesling than the next Lewandowski. <laughs> so uh, I also don't know how I would feel about Nemcha, who obviously has uh, been called up to the first team.
1: Yeah, I've got absolutely no opinion there.
0: So yeah. Okay, uh, I guess then uh, that's it for this week Matthias, uh, please tell our listeners where to follow you on the interwebs uh, You can find me on Twitter at Matthias Uck. Very well, you can find me at Stefan Wolsko on Twitter, you can follow all of us on Twitter and Facebook at YellowWallPod If you want to subscribe to the show please do it on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud Spotify, etc. If you want to contribute financially please go to patreon.com slash TheYellowWall and I have nothing left to say other than thank you for listening and goodbye.